and welcome to episode number 216 of the Lines Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined by Brad Allen, Stephen Andrus. You can follow them on the Twitter machine, and you should, at Brad Allen NFL, at Stephen Andrus1. You can follow me at Matt Brown M2. And we are talking golf this week, only golf. It is the Megapod here for the U.S. Open. Boys, I'm pretty excited about this one. I mean, listen, full field event with a very hard cut to make here. We're talking 150 plus golfers, but only 60 and ties make the cut. So that is going to be pretty interesting uh, as we start to maybe any any placement market bets that we're looking at and, and all of that, because again, that is those are all things that certainly play into our handicap here. Uh, just to get some opening thoughts, and then I'll do kind of the course breakdown here of the Country Club in Brookline, Massachusetts. Um, let's just start with a general question here before we actually start to to break down the field. Brad, how did you treat live golfers this week in mm-hmm. your handicap? Did you did you look at them any differently than other golfers? Did you just do a straight handicap? It didn't matter if the guys played last week or any of the stuff that's going on off the course or whatever. How did you go about it? Um, I have not backed any live golfers. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like I don't really back those golfers anyway. I mean, mm-hmm. if you think about it, there's probably a reason they're giving up like the PGA Tour, right? They're either a little bit past it, like DJ or Phil, mm-hmm. or maybe your Pat Perez, you know, or they're never going to compete anyway, like Pat Perez. So I, I, I didn't sort of set out to go, you know, I'm not I'm not back in Louis Eusthazen this week, but, yeah. you know, I haven't backed any of them. Right. So Stephen, Brad's answer is pretty much my answer, right? It's like, these aren't guys I typically bet really anyway, right? Like I haven't been on Bryson in a super long time because of all the injury stuff and and everything with that. I've never really been on a, a DJ backer as it is anyway. And then the rest of the guys are either, you know, middle tier golfers that I would have never have bet as it is. So like it doesn't, it didn't really affect me all that much other than I certainly am going to pray that here in Vegas, they put up some head to heads against Phil Mickelson just so that I can attack him. That's about the only thing for me that I did, you know, maybe differently with any of these golfers. I have found one way to fade Phil Mickelson. We'll talk about that a little bit later because I've found what you found that they're hesitant to put any head to heads up as we record this on a Tuesday before round one on Thursday. But um, yeah, I'm with you guys. I mean, they've only played one live event. For the most part, the data services that we use have all the rest of their PGA Tour events before they defected and went over. So we still have a pretty clear picture at this point in time of what these guys are doing, what their recent form is. And Sands a 220 to one shot on Kevin Na, like that's the only outright I've added of the Rebel Alliance and the Saudi retirement fund. So um, other than that, nobody really popped for me. Um, Kevin Na popped a little bit and at 220 to one, I threw a little lunch money on it, but nothing really serious to consider. Even a guy like DJ who's floating towards 50 to one at this point. Yeah. And again, it's just for me, it's a, it's just a, it's just a recent thing for me. Like I just, I just, I don't like DJ's game. I don't like what he really brings to the table here. So it is the country club in Brookline, 7,260 yards. It's a par 70, just two par fives. On this course here, one is likely gettable and two, the other most likely everybody will lay up to get to eight par fours that measure 450 yards or longer. This whenever you hear 7260, you're going to say like, oh, well, this is, uh, you know, this is this seems short. Well, just remember, Tory last year was a par 71. So there was an extra par five over at Tory, which does get it longer. Now, that said, Wingfoot is a par 70 set up and it was 7,469 yards. So it did play a full 200 yards longer over at Wingfoot than we're going to be getting at Brookline. Small greens, tight fairways. It's the six smallest greens on tour, 82 different bunkers, water in play on four different holes, blind shots into greens and things like that. And of course, as it, as with every U.S. Open, thick, nasty, rough. There's going to be rocky terrain as well. So if you miss too far, uh, not only with your drives, but also around the greens. There's some of these little rocky patches and things like that. You could end up with with really, really bad positioning and or unplayable balls. As we mentioned, 156 golfers, 60 in ties are going to make the cut. 15 different amateurs did qualify 
for this event. So take that for, for, for what you will, as far as weather, you know, we really only care about Thursday, Friday, because we want to know if there's an AM PM kind of advantage or whatsoever. It looks like it could rain on Thursday, but it looks like it's going to rain all day long. And it doesn't look like the wind really shifts, at least in the, the weather reports that we're getting as of Tuesday right now, Tuesday afternoon. Um, it doesn't look like there's a big wind shift in one way or the other. So it doesn't look like there's an advantage to go morning or afternoon. And as far as the weekend goes, you know, we can't, we can't predict that anyway. So it's not nothing we really care about. We just need our guys to make the cut. Um, so as far as I see right now, I'll ask, you know, maybe you guys saw something differently. It doesn't look like there's going to be any sort of weather advantage when it comes to, to all of that. So let's kick things off here. And, and, and Brad, I want to start with you and just look at the top of the odds board here and just get your, your general thoughts on the guys at the top. I mean, when we look here after Rory wins last week, he becomes the betting favorite this week. Best odds you can find on him 11 to one right now. If you want to bet, um, if you want to bet Rory to win this thing after that, it gets to Justin Thomas, John Rahm, who we have talked about multiple times on this pod is just too short to bet because he had gotten down in this eight, nine, 10 range because of the success of of Thomas and, and Rory here lately, Rom falls to 15. There was even a 17 available for a while. That got snatched up. But Rom goes to 15, Scheffler at 15. And then once we get past those guys, you get into kind of the the, the low 20s and Shoffley and Cantley. So let's let's we'll we'll cut it off here at kind of like the 25 to 1 Cam Smith, Shoffley, Cantley, 25 to 1 and shorter. How did you view these guys? Did these guys, any of these guys make your card? Do you, did you avoid them for strictly the number? What do you think about this kind of this tier right here? Um, I did not bet any of the top mm. five or so. The, the first person that made the card was Xander Schauflay. Um, okay. I would say McElroy and Thomas, just too short. Ram is, is more interesting than those two for me. Yeah. Um, because, uh, you know, the US Open form, the long and straight off the tee, um, you know, all the stuff you would want. But again, 15 for someone who, who's not been the world number one, you know, he, he's not been on the same form as he was coming into this this event last year, for example. So again, 15 to one, I was, I was willing to swerve him. Cam Smith, an, another one around 20. He was one I was I'm against because he's just, not accurate enough, yes. enough off the tee. Um, you know, there's all this talk around the rough. The, everyone knows the US Open setup. Um, and him, Cam Smith for me is the the one who's going to be the most penalized by that rough, uh, even if he's going to scramble better than anyone. But I just think he's going to be in, in too much trouble off the tee. Yeah. So kind of the same thoughts for me here. I did catch a Justin Thomas 17 to one. So that's the shortest number uh, guy that I have on my card. Now, again, I have no advantages at all in this whole world to you guys when it comes to golf betting, other than the fact that there are some rogue numbers when it comes to outrights here in, in Nevada. That is about it. That's the only thing I'm ever going to get. And um, some some good outright numbers do come out. And, and I was able to get uh, JT at 17 to one, which I thought was just a little bit too egregious there on him at 17 to one. But a lot of the same thoughts with me, uh, Stephen, as, as Brad had. I mean, you know, listen. Is Rom way more appealing at 15 than at 10? Obviously. But I think, you know, again, if he was in Rom form, we wouldn't get him at 15, despite no matter how good Rory or, or JT or, or Scotty Scheffler or any of these guys were playing. And so even though he is sitting at 15, it's still just not something I can bite on, you know, and, and it's crazy to think that this is a guy that, again, was the odds were 33% shorter just what two months ago every every single tournament he rolled out at nine or ten to one but uh still just just nothing i can get on and i agree on on cam smith he's a guy that i've actually gone and, and tried to play some head-to-heads against as well because you know even if he wanted to try to play less than driver here he's he's not accurate with his three wood like, like, like there's not like there's not a thing here that really s- suits him and and you get off in this in this rough and you get off uh, maybe even into this, this out of bounds and things like that. I mean, he it doesn't matter how good he is around the greens and he is an absolute wizard around the greens, but it doesn't matter how good he is around the greens. If by the time he gets up there, he's already shooting three, four or five. I'm with you. It's it's listen, I, I don't think I can 
sit here and give a good argument for eliminating any of the top four guys on the board that are shorter than 20 to one. They're there for a reason. They fit the U.S. Open uh, criteria that we're looking for. I ran my numbers this week and over the last 50 and 36 rounds, all four of them show up in the top 10, regardless of what time period you're looking at. The question becomes, do you want to play a number shorter than 20 to one or do you want to maybe get one of these guys in the 20 to 30 to one range that have very Mm -hmm. similar profiles as it turns out for this particular course setup and the stats that we're looking at? Uh, I will tell you that I have not bet any of the guys that are shorter than 20 to 1, but I have a a unit or so set aside to possibly add Scotty Scheffler. Um, The fact that he has drifted a little bit with the emergence of Rory and Justin Mm -hmm. Thomas means we're getting a better number than we've seen. And I'm not sure he's done anything to warrant having a worse number than these guys with all the wins that he's piled up just a couple of months ago. Um, Two events ago, he finished runner-up at the Charles Schwab Challenge. Still finished top 20 at the Canadian Open last week despite a cold putter. So, um, I'm not sure he should be the fourth choice in the odds for this U.S. Open. Uh, the one thing that I want to mention that I think is very different in this U.S. Open than the past few years is the fairways that you you initially mentioned, Matt. And, and in particular, the first two majors of this season as well, with Augusta and also Southern Hills at the PGA. Very wide fairways. No rough at Augusta National, really set up nicely for bombers. It's not that just the fairways are narrow here, but there's really penal areas, whether you hit the wrong side of the fairway and it rolls into the water or not just long rough. But if you miss the primary rough, then you're in some fescue like link style over across the pond where it's near your knees. So accuracy off the tee mattered a lot more to me in this U.S. Open than it has in the past few and also the first couple of majors this year. So that brought more guys into play into that top tier for me, not just those top four that we talked about, but the Xander Shoffleys, but the Shane Lowry's uh, that I'm considering at the top of my card this week. So those guys, listen, the guys at the top, they do every every single thing well. So we're not really worried about that too much. Rom's short game has been off lately, but that's not typically a a a weakness of his. So I imagine he will get something figured out here sooner than later. So Brad, now that we get to this middle tier, what type of golfer, what type of profile were you looking for in a golfer this week? Because this is really where people start to fill out their card this week. I've seen a lot of different, basically every name that we're going to talk about here pretty soon is somebody that somebody has talked up this week and or has on their card already. So why why are the why is this round why is this middle tier so incredibly popular? What type of golfer were you looking for as you went in to start to build the cart? Yes, yeah, so on the tick list here, on the on the short list of things I want is elite scrambler, right? That's mm-hmm. that's something that however you slice the data at the US Open, it's more important than pretty much any other event because that you you have to scramble. Like it's, it's going to be tough. Um, they're going to make that you're going to miss green, so you're going to have to scramble. And if you don't do that, you're not going to win. So I've I've, I've bumped that up high. Um, I've bumped as you as you were just saying about the the fairway and the rough. I bumped up driving accuracy and greens in reg over driving distance. I don't have mm-hmm. any driving distance. I mean, I've got some SG off the tee uh, in there, but no uh, specific driving distance. Um, and then long irons. Um, again, you are going to have to lay up just to hit the fairway on some of these, and there's, there's a lot of dog legs out there. Um, so proximity from 175 to 200 and then proximity from 200 plus is, is, is both in there. So essentially, great, great long irons, great around the green mm-hmm. and uh, hitting fairways off the tee. Yeah, Stephen. So for me, a lot of the stuff that Brad w- was going after, I made a more a very much more in-depth model than I typically make for, for golf tournaments. I think like a lot of times, I think the more you get into this, like the, the more you can kind of confuse yourself, but this week I really did want to see how these guys compared in all of these different categories. So I went ball striking approach. So I doubled up there on approach because again, I think that's so incredibly important uh, I did good drives because I'm okay if a guy's just barely off the fairway. I'm okay with that. Like I, I, I'm, I'm okay with that. Scrambling around the green, I doubled up there again because, as Brad said, I want these dudes to be able to deal with the fact that these are small greens and they're not going to hold very often. Especially, it seems like 
we're going to get just enough wind, like 10 miles an hour, just enough to if there's any sort of precipitation to kind of go ahead and, and clear that out by Friday and Saturday. And, and you know, these greens aren't going to hold. They're going to be super fast and and we're going to need to have guys that can that can scramble. So scrambling around the green, the 450 to 500 par fours, because eight of the eight of them come in in that distance. So I, I went ahead and and did that as well. I did sand saves because of all the friggin' bunkers that are on this that are on this <laughs> course. So I wanted to see how these guys and now these are all kind of become small percentages, right? Like we're talking 5% of the model in sand saves, 5% in greens and regulation, mainly because I don't think these guys are gonna be able to hold the green that often. But I do want to see, you know, these guys that are able to do that even in, in conditions that, that don't allow for that. I did do 5% of driving distance just because, listen, length always helps. I don't think it's a priority this week, which is why it's so incredibly low. But I do wanted, I did want it there as a tiebreaker more than anything because I have so much into driving accuracy with everything because I also added fairways gained into the model that I did want to see these guys that are also long, that also fair, are high in fairways gained, are also good in good drives. I did bogey, bogey avoidance as well, because I don't want guys going out there and, and, and making a bunch of bogeys. And then uh, finally, I did the proximity 175 to 200 as well. So literally, this is probably about three to four more categories that I than I ever put in a model. I think that you can get, you know, I, th- I think you can get too into the weeds with all this and, and start to kind of confuse yourself and confuse what you're looking at. But I had a very, very specific approach. I went very driving approach, heavy, very scrambling heavy. And then a, just a small percentage on the rest of this other stuff just is, is more like tiebreakers, I guess you could say. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, a lot of the stats you guys have mentioned are the same ones that I use this week. And just to put a bow on it, I was looking for guys that hit the ball straight as an arrow that will mm-hmm. grind, that will grind out pars and if necessary, a bogey. I also have bogey avoidance in there at 15%, but I also added 5% for double bogey avoidance because I think <laughs> there's going to be holes here at this USGBA. I'm not, I'm not kidding, man. I think there's going to be holes that are close to a bogey in scoring average this week. So I think that, you know, these guys that understand that and understand that at times bogey is a good score in the U.S. Open is important. So, uh, but I'm with you. Good drives, fairways gained. I combined 20% on that. Um, and, and yes, strokes gained around the green was important for me as well this week at 15%. Like we talk about often on these megapods, a well-rounded golfer. But for the first time that I can remember in a long time, I don't have much emphasis on driving distance. So Mm -hmm. uh, that brings in a larger pool of players to consider than a typical U.S. Open for me, which made it much more challenging this week and has led me really to just try and take some shots on some bigger numbers if my belief is that driving distance isn't a prerequisite this time around. So, Brad, I'm going to get into this middle tier here. And again, so I have heard I've had I've seen pro and con arguments for basically all the guys we're about to mention here. Jordan Spieth, Will Zalatoris, Sam Burns, Matt Fitzpatrick, Colin Morikawa, Shane Lowry, Victor Hovland, Tony Finau, Joaquin Neiman. Basically, that tier is somewhere between about 25 to 28 to about as about 40 to one. That mid-tier, it seems like everybody has at least one player from this tier. It seems like there's a lot of people out there that have multiple players from this tier. Of those guys that I just named, and actually we can kind of, as we drift down a little bit, I mean, DJ fits in that category we already talked about. We don't really like him. Uh, Max Homa kind of drifts into that category. Matsuyama. And the odds have actually dipped so far on Sung JM now uh, that he actually fits in there as well because he best you can find on him is about 40 to 1 out there. So... Of that tier that we're talking about, one, did any of those guys make your card? And two, if not, why did some of these guys get eliminated? Because I think that a lot of people are going to hear, you know, again, pros and cons from all these guys. And I want to try to give them as much of, of our commentary on why we either liked them or why we hated them. Yes. Yeah, so two, I will rule out off the top. Um, Zalatoris, you know, I, I made the mm-hmm. case for him at the USPGA. Probably made the case for him at the Masters as well last time, but I don't think he's accurate enough. Um, driving accuracy is is like below average in this field. So even though he, he shows up in the majors, he's not for me. Hovland is off the card or a fade just because of the chipping. And I'm, I'm sure they yeah. might be similar for you too, because I know we've spoken about that before, but he's, you know, 100th best in this field around the greens. So those are two ruled out there. Um, one, probably 
my favorite. There's there's two in the field. Um, top 25 in driving accuracy, stroke scan approach, and around the green, um, the categories we just talked about. And top that is Xander Schaufle, who's also got five straight top sevens in the US Open. Um, so he's, he's, tick, he's ticking the, the form box um, and he's ticking kind of the, the course fit box. And the other interesting angle I thought was Pebble Beach, US Open there 2019. Um, you will read a lot of the course previews about a lot of blind shots sort of around the contours of the earth, if you will, like, you, you know, you literally can't mm-hmm. see the green, there's a cliff in the way or whatever. And that to me sounds a lot like Pebble Beach, especially with these tiny greens as well. Um, and Xander was top five in that US Open in, in 2019 that, that Gary Woodland won. Um, and then also, if you just look at his recent form, what did he gain? He gained like seven and a half strokes TT Green last week as well. So he's, he's you know, he, he's striking it well as we speak. So just about everything I would look for. And you, you get around 25 to one, um, maybe even higher if you look around. So for me, definitely Hovland w- was, was instantly ruled out for me as well. Um, I gotta be honest. I don't know why. And, and Steven, maybe you have something like, I, I didn't really consider Jordan Spieth this week. I, I don't really have a reason for or against him. I mean, we know in any given week he can look like the best golfer on tour. And then any given week he can look like a dude that is, is, you know, basically like your, your good tour, like you're, you're basically your, your good uh, pro, you know, at the club or something like that, the way that he's playing. So I don't know. I, I didn't get to him. I did put in a ticket on Salatoris actually. And, and here's the thing that was confusing to me. And this is where I say that sometimes you can get a little confused by how many categories you start to consider. His driving accuracy, and especially if you look at like fairways gained, is one of the absolute worst in this field. But his good drives, and those are drives that even though they might not be on the fairway, the the next shot, the approach shot is either on the green or right or right on the fringe or whatever. So the guy has a putt at the uh, at the at the hole on the next shot. And he's actually inside the top 20 in this field in that. And so it's like he's missing and he's missing a lot, but I don't guess he's missing so badly that he can't do what needs to be done to get it to the green. And so Zal Torres, I reluctantly put in a a ticket on him. I mean, look, the putting, we all know about the putting, but I I just can't factor in putting's going to be difficult here. Someone's going to have to get hot with a putter and they'll they'll probably win. So I just kind of leave that alone uh with everything of course i always play sam burns but i I, honestly i love sam burns this week he was high in every single one of the the models that i ran sam burns arguably to me and maybe not even arguably to you guys has been the second best golfer in the in the world behind scotty scheffler over the last 18 months and so uh what the fact that you can get him at 30 to 1 right now i think is just still absolutely insane uh, and then I, I play. I went ahead and played Joaquin Neiman as well. So I literally have a bunch of of outright plays in this in this tier. Joaquin Neiman, a guy that I think is right on the cusp. The win equity probably isn't as high as some of these other guys. Of course, you know Burns has Burns has won multiple times on tours. Alatorres has been right there a couple of different a couple of different times. But I do believe that Neiman is kind of right there on the cusp of everything. And if you look at his long term numbers and his recent form, I mean it just Everything is just there except him being able to close the door uh, on all of this. I mean, the guy is inside, outside of fairways gained. I mean, he is he's literally inside the, the, the top 25 in nearly every single category in this field in the last 36 and 24 rounds. So um, those guys all made the card here, as did Max Homa, who, again, win equity. You want to talk about win equity? The guys won four times already. Um, and I think that his game, again, especially if you look at recent form, has really set up well for what we're looking for in this course. All of the stuff that we've talked about, Max Homa really ticks all of those boxes, especially when you start to get recent form over the last 24 rounds, fourth in this field in ball striking, third in approach. He's second in par fours, 450 to 500 yards, 19th in driving distance, 23rd in bogey avoidance. So there are a lot of things and even scrambling, He's 26th. So, I mean, he's still pretty good in something that we consider to be pretty important here. So I have a lot of plays from this tier. What about you? I, I do too. Um, mm-hmm. 
And it, it was really hard to navigate. What I love about us doing this podcast is that we don't discuss it before we come on and, yeah. and do it. And and we, I start hearing a lot of things that I thought about the same way with Xander Shoffley. Uh, I don't know how you can eliminate Sam Burns this week with the form he's had. I mean, the guy was two shots off the league going into the final round of the Canadian Open, shoots 65 and finishes even further yeah. behind. Like he just, Rory just I, went I, off. I mean, seriously, that is like the, that is, I, I was telling this to, I was telling this because, you know, whatever, he's, he's from Louisiana, so all my friends root for him too. I was telling my friends, I'm like, if he didn't run into the buzzsaw that yeah. was that final round, like he wins that tournament. Like it's just, it's just, he ran into a buzzsaw. It just is what it is. Right. And he won the Charles Schwab the week mm-hmm. before that, T20 at the PGA, um, won the Valspar in, in March. So this tier is loaded full of good numbers and very good talent. It's just the nature of the PGA Tour right now in the world of golf, mm-hmm. where there's so many guys that can win any given week. So um, if I don't go with Scotty Scheffler to round out my outright card, you know, I mentioned Xander, I mentioned Shane Lowry, Sam Burns is in consideration there. I'll throw it up on our Discord channel before the tournament starts. If I do bet something pre-tournament, if not, I'm going to save it for a live bullet. But the other names that I consider in this tier, Matt and I are going to disagree on Colin Morikawa because the recent form is not good. 32nd and 27th in my rankings over his last 50 and 36 rounds. But if you turn on difficult scoring conditions, he catapults up the first and fourth. Now, admittedly, a lot of those rounds and difficult scoring conditions came when he was the hottest player on the planet last year. Mm-hmm. But I went further back, looked at some of his, his career statistics, the rounds he's put together. He's had two wins in his career where he didn't finish in, in the top 40 in the, in the event before winning that event. So I do think Morikawa has the talent as a two-time major winner to be able to figure it out and win a tournament like this. And if he's going to slip into the 30s, I have to bet him, even though the recent form is not there. So I did add him to my card. The two names that I actually have better confidence in than Morikawa at bigger mm. numbers are Daniel Berger and Sung J.M. Starting yeah, with Berger... I, I, yeah, I have ahead, both Matt. of those guys. I just, I, I just, I, I put them in this like maybe this net because you can still find big numbers on the, well on Burger. You can't really on Sung Jay. So yeah, like right. I had Burger kind of in that next tier of the like fifty to one and longer type deal. But talk about Sung Jay and then we'll we'll circle back to Burger. You got it. So yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I have been waiting to bet on Sung Jay to win a major for a couple of years now because I had. The, I was lucky enough to cover the web.com tour, now the Corn Ferry tour, the year Sung JM was on it and became the first player in that tour's history to lead the money list every single week of the season. Mm-hmm. So this is a guy who, when the course gets tougher and the conditions get tougher, he gets better. He is fifth and ninth in the rankings I'm using this week over his last 50 and 36 rounds, but still 10th and eighth when he is uh, in difficult scoring conditions in his last 36 and 24 rounds. And if you look at his high finishes in his career, five top tens in Sung Jay's career where he finished single digits under par. So that tells you that was a difficult scoring tournament and he still finished in the top 10 despite so many of these events on the PGA Tour calendar where you got to be closer to 20 to 1 to finish in the top 10. The win he had at the Honda was only six under par. The third place finish he had at the Arnold Palmer, he only finished three under par. The two debut events he had as a professional on the Corn Ferry Tour in the Bahamas in ridiculously windy conditions wins the event and comes in second the very next week. This guy grinds. His statistics are fantastic off the tee. If you watch him in person, he hits the straightest ball you will ever see. And he is among the the elite in this field in strokes gained around the green as well. I could not find anything to not like Sung, Sung J.M. this week. I also have a ticket on Sung Jay. How I'll put it this way: in my fifty-round model, he's fourth overall. While and again, and this is a factor that we just said we don't really care about all that much this week. It's just it's just in there for me again as as more of a I want it in there to be able to see as a more of a tiebreaker type deal. He's fourth overall in the model while being sixty-second in the field in driving distance. So like we're we're hmm. we're talking about like like and, and that's one of the stats that we don't well, don't care about all that much. And he still ranks fourth for me overall um, with all that. I mean, I guess my pushback, you said I was going to push back on Morikawa. I mean, yeah. 
over his last 36 rounds, 79th in this field in scrambling, 116th in strokes gained around the green, 122nd in sand saves. And then if you go to the bed, it is Victor Hovland bad. And then you go to his last 24 rounds, it gets even worse. 93rd in scrambling, 116th in strokes gained around the green, 133rd in sand saves. There's only 150 golfers and 15 are amateurs in this thing. (laughs) 133rd in sand saves. Um, He's just, he's so bad around the greens right now and so bad around there. I I just don't think the rest of that stuff is going to help out. Brad, Let's talk about some of these. I do want to talk about some of these other golfers and just get your overall thoughts on them um, that we didn't really hit on a ton. I mean, Shane, uh, Matt Fitzpatrick, Shane Lowry, uh, Tony Finau. These are all guys I'll just go ahead and admit. I, I have uh, Shane Lowry, Tony Finau, and I have placement market bets on all, all three of those. Uh, I don't have outrights on them, but what were your what were your thoughts kind of on on those guys as well? Um, so just, just to finish off the Sung Jim yeah. thought, he, he was number one in my model. Um, so Boom. I guess, you know, pretty similar to you. I, I are you going to bet him distance. then? What are you doing? Like, yeah. what are you, what yeah, are you yeah, I bet him. Of oh, course okay. I bet him. All right, all right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 well, we're getting there. We're getting there, Matt. Um, Shane Lowry, number two in the model. Mm. Um, and also, also, actually, I haven't bet him yet. I'm, I'm going to. Um, and why do we like Shane Lowry? One, there was some interesting work out there from... I think it was uh, Pat Mayo sharing it. He um, basically tabulated how players did on holes playing over par. So yeah, kind of similar to you know mm-hmm. what you're just talking about with Sungjae. How well do they play hard holes? Shane Lowry was top of that list um, ahead of McIlroy, Ram, Berger, Zander. So you know the, the list checks out. Yeah. Um, Shane Lowry's pretty good at that. Um, I've got him best in the field at bogey avoidance. Number two is Sungjae. Um, and he's also third in the field at proximity 175 to 200. And he's also 90th percentile, you know, top 10% in the field in strokes gain approach. So also 5% better than the field in, in driving accuracy. So right. again, just every, everything we're talking about, he's got. And as I was saying earlier, it, it sounds a bit like this is going to be quite linksy with these, with these blind shots, um, with lots of sort of, you know, elevation changes, uh, potential wind, 15 to 20 mile an hour wind on, on day one and two and, and, and a grind. And that, that's just Shane Lowry all over to me. Uh, so that sounds perfect for him. He, you, you could argue he's been the best player in this field that mm. hasn't won this year. Um, but he's had, you know, he's got top fives coming out of his ears. Like Sungjae, he, I think came second at, at the Honda. So he's played well at those tough courses as well. Um, so yeah, like 28, 30 to one for Shane Lowry, I think he's a good bet. What about um what about Matt Fitzpatrick? Um this is a dude that again is all he does is go out and finish in the top 20 this year. I mean like the guy is a top 20 machine. I do question the win equity. I know he's won. I know anyone and I know he won on this course as an amateur all this stuff. I I get all this stuff, but I do question his win equity in like today's June, June of 2022, I do question his win equity in a field this strong with all of these guys out there. But um, where where did you kind of land on Fitzpatrick? Yeah, I mean, he, he fits the course, doesn't he? Mm. But I think the the sort of solid finishes are priced in, right? He's 28 to 1. He's yeah. the same as Sam Burns and Zalatoris. And as you say, he's not one. Like you, yeah. you're watching that final round of the US, USPGA and he just he, he produced nothing. If he was yep. a horse, he would have run out of energy and, and faded at faded at the finish. You know, like he he doesn't look to me like he's got the killer instinct. However, sort of floppy that sounds. You right. know, he's not backed by hard stats, but he's he's not done it. And you know, do, do you do you want to bet twenty eight to one on him suddenly finding that and beating you know all of the best players in the world right. at that price? No. If, if he's forty to one, then you know, and, and the place or the the top twenty is, is is a better price than maybe, but it's just too short for me. Bet basketball, baseball, or hockey with a risk-free bet up to $600 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code THELINES and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. Get the BetMGM app today and use promo code THELINES to make a risk-free bet up to $600. This is a new customer offer. Paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem. Call one 800 5 
522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. In Tennessee, call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. All right, so let's hit this next tier, and this is kind of like 50 to 1, and we'll call it like, you know, 50 to 100, and then we can get into any bombs that we're looking at after that. Brooks Kepka, you know, Captain U.S. Open. Um, you can find him at 55 to 1 at one of the books out there. Cameron Young, who has just been one of the most ridiculous rookies we've seen in a long time, at 50 to 1. Daniel Berger is still available at 50 to 1. Corey Connors coming off a very, very solid Canadian Open. You can still find him at 60 to one out there. Billy Horschel, who, listen, I'll admit this is just a bias because I just don't like him and I don't like to watch him play. And I can't imagine having a sweat on him and then like him, like not winning the tournament. And then I already hate him. And then I have to like <laughs> hate him even more because he didn't finish out the tournament or something. But uh, he's at 55 to one. Tommy Fleetwood, you can find at 65 to one. Mito Pereira off of, you know, a fantastic season he's got going on. You can find him at 66 to one as well. Justin Rose coming off of the, you know, the 58 watch that ended up being a 60. You can find him at 70. Louie at 75. Harold Varner, you can find at 65. And then Davis Riley, uh, another guy that has just been on fire this season. You can find as high as 80 to one out there. Um, Steven, let's talk about this tier here. Did you, did any of those golfers make your card and, if not, did any of them come close or were there any that were just you just eliminated uh, somewhere along the way? I actually know the answer already because you tipped your hand. Yeah, for sure. We'll get into Daniel Berger here. The only other name that I was tempted by was Mito Pereira at yeah. 66 to one. He's still I mean, I was really impressed after that heartbreak of the PGA Championship to see his results in his next two tournaments. I thought mm -hmm. that showed a lot of mental toughness to be able to do that. And he fits to a T on this. So that's going to be the one regret I have in this tier is if he go, comes back and, and wins that major um, because he does fit really well. But Daniel Berger, very similar profile I observed to Sung J.M. Um, really hard to find any blemishes in the statistics that I was looking at this week for Daniel Berger. Um, really top 60 across the board. Elite in strokes gained on approach over his last 50 and 36 rounds. And the numbers still like him if you turn on difficult scoring conditions, even though we're looking at, you know, a further back in time right. when you do that. So uh, he fits nicely. The If it gets windy, I'm not really too concerned about him. And the only concern I've really had with Berger this season after he melted down and admittedly should have won the Honda Classic, I think he was up five or six shots in the final round before he blew it. but health was my only concern with Berger and that mm -hmm. was wiped away with him playing in not only the two events leading up to two of the three events leading up to this tournament, but played in back-to-back -back weeks in the Schwab and the Memorial and had a top five finish in the Memorial. So I have full confidence that he's healthy. I have full confidence that his profile fits at this course. And he, like some of the top tier in this field, wasn't was was close enough for me to like him at 50 more than maybe betting one of the top guys at sub 20. Yep. I have Daniel Berger on the card as well. And here's what I did is this is where I went back and relied more on the older data than the newer data. Because if you look at some of the recent, more recent stuff, the guy was playing hurt and he, he wasn't in, in good form. And as you mentioned, he has said, he feels better. He has shown the results as of late that he feels better. So if you go back on the 50 round model for me, Daniel Berger's sixth overall, and there's actually nothing to nitpick on him other than driving distance, which again, we don't care about all that much this week. And so I, I went back and I relied on kind of the older information with Daniel Berger. And he also did, in fact, make the card. Um, what about you, Brad? Anybody in that 50 to kind of sub 100 before we get to triple digits that 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 made your card? 
I will give you a couple. So I said earlier, there were two players in the field, top 25 in driving accuracy, strokes gained approach and strokes gained around the green. Mm -hmm. One was Xander Schauffele and the other one much lower down, probably around 100 to one actually, just going over your threshold Mm -hmm. there. But Russell Henley uh, is is the other one with those that fits that parameter. Top fifth in the field, strokes gained approach. Um, And so, but yeah, he's just got elite irons, but he also just hits the the fairway every time. Um, Again, he's, he's another one where... Do you want to trust him in contention? Probably not. But if you're looking at a top 20 bet, um, yeah, I think he's, he's going to be out of trouble compared to a lot of people off the team. So I do have a 75 to one on Cam Young. It was a bet that I made uh, like three months ago when I saw the that this guy was just tearing it up and I figured he might be way shorter. So I went ahead and grabbed the 75 to one. He's shorter. He's not way, way shorter. You can still find him at 50. I think 50 is fine for Cam Young. I don't think it's the greatest in the world. Like if you could still find a 70 or 75, I would say like, I would still recommend the bet at 50. um, Steven, like Cam Young, it's like at 50, it's like, would I rather have burger? I would. Would I rather even have like Mito at 66 over a 50 at Cam? Probably so as well. So like, I think it's like, we only have so much money to, to distribute to outrights. And so, at the current number, if you love him, I still think it's playable. If you're on the fence, I think I don't think 50 is quite long enough for Young. If his form right now was coming into one of the last couple of U.S. Opens we had, I'd, I'd love him to death. But mm-hmm. and, and full disclosure, I did put a free bet on him like a month ago at 200 to one right. in the U.S. Open. So I'm still rooting for the guy. Right. But, me too. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but but I think that this particular U.S. Open track wouldn't isn't going to suit him as good as the last few U.S. Open tracks that we're used to. So uh, I think that's what we saw in the Masters and in the PGA Championship with this wide open spaces and a bomber being able to hit just the mm-hmm. junk out of the ball um, and and these longer holes being an advantage for him. So um, I still think he can contend. I think he's been playing unbelievable golf, but his accuracy off the tee isn't quite, it's good. It's above average, but it's not quite elite. Like some of the other names we've been talking about. And Brad, listen, we have to bring it up because there's no other handicap other than, are you going to play him? Or are you not going to play him? You're obviously not playing him, but look, Brooks Kepka, you can get him at 55 to one. The only handicap here, you can't look at his statistics. The handicap here is he destroys hard fields. He shows up in majors. And for whatever reason, he, he just plays his best golf against the best competition. I, I, I don't, I didn't get there. I think 55 to one is probably an egregious number. It's pr- like, I probably should put a small bet on it just because this is what this guy does. But uh, I haven't done it. No, well, I left it alone as well. Like he's, he's not done anything for months now. Um, I mean, he, he he was top five in that Pebble Beach US Open I was looking at earlier. But you know, you you are reliant on him just showing up and producing some magic. And right, you know, it's it's, it's not it's not a punt I was uh, willing to take this time around. If so the narrative, if, if the narrative yeah. was still true on Brooks Kepka that he turns it on in the majors, then he wouldn't have missed the cut at the Masters and finished T fifty five at the PGA Championship. He's been yeah. tr- he's been searching for it for a while now. Yeah, I agree. All right, so let's get into what I would consider long shots here. I mean, anything over triple digits, I mean, if you're hitting that, that's a long shot. I, a long shot doesn't have to be the 200, 300, 250 to one, something like that. So look, 100 to one, triple digits are longer. Guys, listen, let's talk about the guys that are super incredibly popular in this range. There are three of them that come to mind. The very first one is Aaron Wise. This guy is getting a massive amount of love. You can still find him at a, You can still find him at 100 to one. He yes, yes, he completely he completely uh crapped the bed last week, but Tyrrell Hatton, you can still find it a hundred to one. There are people who really, really like him at that number. Tyrrell Hatton, I mean, triple digits. Again, if he had even shown up a little bit last week, maybe he's more in that like, you know, consensus like 50, 60, 70 ish range, where right now, again, you can still find him at a hundred to one. And then the other name that continues to kind of pop up whenever you do talk about these these longer shots here is Adam Scott for whatever reason. Um, he, he's, he always seems to have one good round in these tournaments and then never puts together four good rounds, but people always want to make a case for Adam Scott at 100 to 1 plus, something like that. 
guys, I'll admit, like as we sit right now, I don't have a bomb on my card. I'm, I'm going to add a couple. Um, most likely the name that comes to mind is Luke List that I can find at 180 to one out there. Look, we all know the guy can't putt his way out of a paperback. I, I get that, but I just need his putting to be okay. I just need him to like find fire in that putter for, you know, a week is basically all I'm asking from this guy, because really outside of that, he checks a lot of the boxes that, that we're looking for in, in some of this stuff. It's just, you know, again, he's just so incredibly bad. Like, you know, outlier, good putting things. Like I, I put away outlier, bad putting things. I put away most people fall somewhere in the middle, but if you are just consistently terrible, which, which he is, then, you know, that just means you're, you're bad at something and he's just, he's terrible at it. But that being said, with, with as, as many other boxes as he ticks, I think I'm probably going to have to add him there to the card. Uh, Steven, I know you're on wise. Is there any other like triple digit bombs that you're on? Kevin Na was the only other. I found a 220 to one on him. Um, not in love with it, but mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking about lunch money here to win a couple grand. So yeah. what I, do you like, I like about a short wise? Game. And, and wise? I like that every time he has shown up uh, for me this season on the PGA tour, even mm-hmm. going back to last season, it has been at a difficult course where the scoring has been more difficult and the numbers back that up. If you, if you turn yeah. on for this week, more difficult scoring conditions, he gets a little bit higher in the model. So mm-hmm. um, I like that he's a grinder. Now I will say this, if you look a little bit more in detail at the numbers that are pumping him up, it's not the numbers I would prefer because he's still outside the top 40 in good drives and fairways gained, and he's middle of the road and strokes gained around the green. So it's been the iron play. It's been um, the scoring on 500 plus par fours. He's been really good on, on strokes gained on par three scoring. So it's been that approach game that's really carried him. And if these greens are as, you know, if they're repelling balls like we expect, then that this might not be the best setup for him. But at 120 to one, uh, I I had to throw at least a few bucks on it. Yeah, I, I might. He might end up as a top forty bet for me. I just don't know about the win equity with all the stuff that you just said, right? Like it's yeah. just. I think at some point something of that breaks down to where I don't think he's able to get home. But he seems like a pretty good top forty ish type bet. I did bet him top forty at plus money. Yeah, yeah. I, I, he seems like that type of bet to me. I, and and I agree with you there. Like that, I think is is probably some good value there brad you're always good for some uh for some long shots here G- give us a, give us a couple of triple digits that are in your back in on your card already i know you got some uh well for starters i, I bet some wise as well um, okay and yeah i, I think that the top 20 stuff is is very is good stuff he, he's mm-hmm. i think a bit like zalatoris he, he's one who's good for the majors because the ball striking is so good he made six straight cuts at majors um t- two straight top 25s as well so you know it, the top 40 we're talking about is good. Right. Um, for the real long shots, one is kind of in the Brooks Kepka category is Webb Simpson. Um, ah. who's got, he's got some decent, he's got some decent U S open. Okay. Form. <clears throat> uh, three straight top twenties at the U S open and then missed the cut last year, but he's also been struggling with injuries this year. So, He's not going to pop on any of these models. He's not going to pop on your data yeah. golf models or whatever. But to me, he looks like he's showing a bit of sign of life. Um, he's gained more than three and a half strokes tee to green in the last two events, um, which he hasn't done for a couple of years. Um, and then obviously, you can always rely on Webb Simpson to putt. So yeah, just 111, 110 to one right now on Bet365. Um, and that's just probably too big considering, you know, if, if you assume that he hasn't been injured he was going off, say, 50 to 1 for this two years ago, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, I think uh, potentially a, a bit of sleeper value. Another guy that I will just kind of bring up, because uh, uh, one of the guys that if you follow our Discord, you you know the name Brett Colson. He, he, he put his picks in there, and I went and looked. Uh, Ryan Fox is a mm-hmm. guy that I went and I went and took a look, and I'm like, okay, well, you know, what's going on here? This guy's got two wins on the DP tour. He's sixth overall. He's actually 63rd in the official world golf rankings. So, I mean, a guy that's kind of under the radar here, he's 63rd in the official world golf rankings. Then you go and you look at kind of this guy's recent form, right? 
um, tournament in uh, April the 30th, T9, uh, May the 7th, T8, May the 14th, T2, uh, May the 28th, outright second. Like this guy is like a top 10 machine in these, in these tours, like outside of the United States, you know? And so it made me look a little further into him and he's a scorer. He's a player. And I'm not going to say, you know, definitely go and put, you know, money on him to win this thing or something, but you can find 300 to one if you did want to go that route, but maybe a, maybe a very solid bet for a, for a big plus money, top 40 and an even bigger plus money, top 20 type deal. If he's able to translate some of that success over here to, um, to the, to the United States. So just another name that, you know, our team has kind of dug up here and certainly a guy that is, is coming in in some pretty, pretty great form in all of this. Um, yeah, Matt, can I add to that yeah. real quick? The, yeah. I also bet Ryan Fox to top 40 at plus 250 odds. Uh, when Brett Colson, our fearless director, throws out a name that we none of us were thinking about, it gets our attention. So I, I saw what you saw with the amazing world tour form, uh, the former European tour. What I couldn't quite get there on a top 20 or a top 10, because if you dig into his numbers a little bit more, He's 148th in driving accuracy on that tour. So mm-hmm. likely he's bombing and having very, you know, right, short, rough and easy courses. Uh, but but the form is there. So top 40 at, at plus 250 was was pretty good for me. To Brad's point on Webb Simpson, it was one of that small list of guys that if you turned on difficult scoring, he skyrocketed up the rankings in the, in the model for me this week. And one more triple digit name we haven't mentioned. Keegan Bradley, and I know we joke about him because he melts down constantly, but I'm going to have a first round leader bet on him at 70 to one. I'm going to have a first round top five bet on him at 11 to one at our show sponsor, BetMGM, where ties are paid out in full on those bets because he may only be in that 25 to 30 range on the model this week, but in difficult scoring conditions, he got a little bit better. And if you look at the stats across the board, there's no red. It is a well-rounded profile for Keegan Bradley this week. I didn't have any putting in in the model, but he's also been putting pretty well too, which has been the, the Achilles heel for him. So another name to think about. Uh, Brad, any placement, Mark? I know that's not really a a, a thing that that you get over there because you get each way and and all that, and that you get all the uh, glories of being able to bet like that for for golf. But I mean, I guess let's put it this way: if you were to put you know a bet in on a guy that you couldn't quite get there on an outright, but you know maybe if you if you did bet top twenties and top forties and things like that, is is there any kind of golfers that that come to mind that you know that didn't quite make your card, but you could certainly see them having a a pretty decent tournament? Um, I will also, I'll have bet some, uh, Keegan Bradley 80 to one with, ah, uh, let's go. with the, with the, with the places. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, you can assume, uh, you can assume I, I like the top 20 as well. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's another one who suits the majors because he strikes it so long and so straight, yeah. but he's always in play. So uh, again, it's similar to what we're talking about with, with Zalatoris or Russell Henley, while everyone else is sort of flailing around in the cabbage where, you know, normally if you if you miss the you miss the fairway on a on a PGA tour event you're okay um you know you can the rough isn't yeah. deep enough to cause real trouble um where that's not the case in the majors and that is not going to be the case this week and that that's where Keegan Bradley I think he's he's just he doesn't need to score. He doesn't need to win a putting contest because he can't do it. But these greens are so small that it takes a lot of the three putts off the table because if you're on the green, you, you know, yeah. you're close enough to putt it in too. So I, I just think it does set up really nicely for him to just plod his way around, finish minus four with like, you know, a few birdies, few few bogeys. Uh, and that that's going to be good enough for a top 20 in my view. I'll tell you, um, for me, there are some reluctant, placement bets that I made, but listen, I just couldn't argue with where these guys showed up for me on the model. So I just kind of, you know, look, sometimes you just have to trust the numbers. I don't like to do that all the time, but I do have placement market bets on Billy Horschel, even though I hate watching him play golf. I have placement market bets on Harold Varner, the third, which by the way, I hate watching him play golf too, because of the meltdown factor with him. But you know, listen, there is a a really, really good. I mean, when you look at 
like a Billy Horschel, right? I mean, you're getting, you're getting top, you're getting top 30 you're, at even money. You're getting top 20 at nearly, you know, at two to one over two to one on him for that. And again, he's just, he's a guy that just pops, you know, in, in all these categories that we're kind of looking at with everything. And then Harold Varner, the third, you can actually um, get plus money on him as a top 40 finish, you know? So even if he does have a, a, a one meltdown round, if he's, if he's sitting T eight, when he has the meltdown, he's at least going to finish in the top 40 for you there. So uh, I have him, as well, those are kind of reluctant ones. I have top 10 bets, which I re- rarely make. I, t- I typically s- stay to top 20, but I have top 10 bets on Xander, Lowry, and Finau. I think top 10 Tony is back for Finau. His, <laughs> he, is, he, was, he was a guy that I was fading for the longest time, but his game really, really has, has started to come around here. I don't know if it's back to where he you know, might actually challenge to win tournaments or anything again. Um, but I think top 10 Tony's back. So I, I got a top 10 bet on him. I love Lowry this week in the top 10 market. And I love Xander this week in the top 10 market. Uh, top 20 bets. A lot of those will fall on a lot of the outrights that I had. So again, if you if you followed along, I have outrights on Justin Thomas, Alatora, Sam Burns, Matt Fitzpatrick, Max Homa, Joaquin Neiman, Daniel Berger, Sung J.M. Like most of those guys, I'll have a top 20 bet on as well. Just kind of a, a fallback considering we don't get each way betting here. It, it at least makes me feel a little bit better if I get a good performance out of my guy that that doesn't end up in a uh, in a win for me. First round leader bets, Mito Pereira, Will Zalatoris, Joaquin Neiman. Those are those are also uh, the Zalatoris and Neiman bets are a little bit of emotional hedge bets for me because they always seem to have one awesome round and then figure out how to uh, not win a tournament. So. I do have first round leader bets on Salatoris Neiman. I just love what Mito brings to the table. I'll have a top 20 bet on uh, Mito as well, uh, as well as he's been playing. He just, he really does tick all the boxes here. And I like the fact that he took a little bit of rest and, and is coming back here and, and doing this. So uh, the only other bet I have guys, it's a completely just ridiculous, but let's have some fun here. I bet yes at plus three thirty on there being a playoff in this tournament. Um, And mainly because if we're talking about a super low scoring tournament and we're talking about a slog and we're talking about no one's going to run away with it. If the winning score here is five under or six under or seven under, there's a chance that there are multiple guys that can kind of hang in that area there. So I I did take a little flyer on a yes on there being a playoff at, at plus three 30. That's more of a, just a fun, more of just a fun bet for for me. Matt, I'm not going to lie. I got like 35 bets in this tournament and I'm terrified, but I'm also <laughs> extremely excited. So I'm going to save most of them for our Discord. If you just go to the lines.com, hit the Discord button in the top right corner, you'll see all of our bets under the Golf Staff Bets channel. Uh, but every major, I love to give you some of these like top nationality prop markets that I love. So uh, I'm getting Sung J M as the top Korean at even money, and he only has to beat two guys that are outside the top 30 in, in the model this week to do that. So I love the plus there. Love him at plus 250 to be the top Asian in the U.S. Open, which is basically mm-hmm. the same thing as the top Korean market, except that you just have to beat Hideki Matsuyama as well, and we're getting better than twice the price there. So uh, a couple others as well. You tweeted, Matt, uh, humorously that you're looking for any any head to head you could possibly yes. find against Phil Mickelson because the guy is just like, you know, walking around Brookline with a tail between his legs in embarrassment or shock or I don't like he he ain't there, man. He just shot yeah. 10 over in a live event in three rounds and now he's got to face the toughest test in golf. Um, if you look around, you can find a top senior market where Mickelson is like an overwhelming favorite against <laughs> the only other two seniors in Jim Furyk and uh, some 57-year-old sectional qualifier who <laughs> has only played like three senior tour events this year. But given the fact that Mickelson's a friggin' mess, you know, y- you can bet both of those guys mm-hmm. and get either even money if Jim Furyk wins, if you do the math, or better than two to one if... um. God, I'm, I'm blanking on his name. Fran something maybe, but he's 57 year old sectional qualifier. Fran Quinn. Yes. Fran thank Quinn. you. Fran Quinn. So the, the guy, but this, I had to include him in the bet because he actually did 
perform better than Jim Furyk by a pretty wide margin in the one senior mm-hmm. tour event they both played. So uh, we're digging deep here, man. But the other thing yes. I'll mention is if you can find some uh, a, a top Scandinavian market where Victor Hovland is favored over the field, we've talked about how much yeah. of a mess he is around the green. So if he's favored over the field in any type of prop market, that's worth taking a shot on some of the other guys. So I took a shot on Olsen at six to one to be the top Scandinavian. And along those same lines, Louis Oosthuizen is plus 160 favorite to be the top South African. His form has been shit. What we rely on with him, with his irons, has not been good. Didn't look particularly impressive in the live fraudulent golf tournament last week in London. So you could take a shot on somebody at a really nice number in the top South African market. I'm going with Sean Norris, who is top 80 in the world golf rankings and um, and has played pretty well overseas. He's got three top 10 finishes, including a win on the DP World Tour this year. So at plus 750, that was worth a little bit of lunch money as well. All right, guys, we're going to close this out with the same two questions I ask every single week. Brad, regardless of your bet, like we're, we're not talking about your bets because, you know, we we bet differently because, uh, you know, we based on odds and things like that. Remove your bets from it. When we're when all is said and done on Sunday, who do you think actually wins the tournament? I think Shane Lowry wins the golf tournament. Oh boy! All right, that is that's that's spicy. <laughs> that's spicy right there. Okay, uh, Stephen, who wins the golf tournament? I was tempted by Lowry too, but I think he's going to win the Open at St Andrews. So I'm saving that for a month from now. So I think Sung J M is the U.S. Open champion. Oh, and it's all said and done. Guys, I'm going to, I know this is a ridiculously chalky answer, but I just love everything about what's going on right now with Justin Thomas. And uh, I think when it's all said and done, Justin Thomas is going to win this thing so long as he can find the fairways. Uh, and listen, I think there'll be some holes where he's he's long enough. He can use less than driver. And um, I just really do like what we're getting with Justin Thomas right now. And then the final question that we love so much. And I'm going to cheat because I'll start here because there's, there's three of them. Mm-hmm. Who, if they win the tournament, are you going to have the most self-loathing? I can tell you right now, first and foremost, it's going to be Jordan Spieth because I didn't even consider him. Like literally I didn't even consider Jordan's like not one second did I consider putting a bet on Jordan Spieth. Um, so it's going to be one of the guys is Jordan Spieth for sure. The second guy for sure for me, if he actually wins this thing, is going to be Scotty Scheffler because it's like, hey, why didn't I just bet on the best golfer in the world over the last 18 months? What am I doing? Why is this like this was easy? The answer to the test is bet the best golfer in the world. But, you know, and I I didn't do that. Uh, And the last one for me is going to be Davis Riley because he popped in the top 15 in every single version of my model. And. I have not bet him for whatever silly ass reason. I don't know why I've not bet him or whatever. And you can find him at like 80, 85 to one or something like that. So I think those three guys, I will hate myself the most if they actually win this tournament. Brad, what about you? I'll give you two answers. One is Matsuyama. Um, I mean, I'm looking at a 35 to one and he's someone who you would think fits perfectly, Mm -hmm. but I've done. I've just not bet him. <laughs> it, I, I, maybe because of the injury stuff, right? Like, right. Or this weird disqualification. I don't know. So if he turns up and wins it, I'll be. I'll be annoyed. <laughs> now the other one is is Ram. So I've got a friend who bets golf for a living. Mm. Um, got his own model. You know, bit bit of an autistic yeah. chap. <laughs> Love, loves it. Um, and he has been betting John Ram for the last six months. And this week, for the first time, he said, "I make him fair value." So. I'm sure John Rahm is going to go and win the golf tournament for the first time in six months. <laughs> like we said, you can still find a 15 to one on John Rahm out there. What about you, Stephen? Who wins this tournament and you, uh, you're going to hit the whiskey bottle? I will actually have no regrets if Brooks Kepka wins this tournament, despite the <laughs> fact that only four players have had better scores than him in his last couple of U.S. Opens because he sucked ass and he just went to an island somewhere and was doing karaoke pissed drunk after his wedding. So I, I, I just don't think he's you know there and I don't think he's particularly concerned about getting there. So right. but the guys that I would be uh, hitting the whiskey bottle on would be Scotty Scheffler, but I still might fire on him. Um, the fact that we're getting close to double the number of what he was a month ago when he went on that crazy Tiger Woods tear of wins in a short period of time is is silly to me. 
he hasn't done anything to warrant that other than some really recent bias from s- some of these other golfers that have won uh, with JT and, and Roy McIlroy. Mm-hmm. Um, but Shane Lowry will just be a swift kick in the pants, man, yeah. because I had him at the Honda Classic and all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, the, the great flood happened and on the 72nd hole of the tournament and he couldn't make birdie on an easy par five. So he didn't get to a playoff. And then he chipped one into the water on a par three and wherever the hell that swamp tournament was and and was in the mix until the end there. So I feel like I should already have two Shane Lowry outright wins this year. And if he goes and wins this tournament when he's like top five in my model this week across every timeline, God, I'm going to be pissed, even Uh, though I have a top 20 bet on him. I know, I know, uh, guys. Uh, Stephen did an awesome uh, did an awesome page over on thelines.com where you can get every single market that's available out there, and you can shop the odds. It'll just show you the best odds available for all those. Of course, you can just go to the odds page as well if you just want to shop on your own and see every single book and what they're offering. And then, of course, our prop finder is by far if you're just looking for specific golfers and you have a guy that you have in mind that you want to bet then go to the prop finder and type his name in and it gives you, it shows you the best price that's possibly available out there. So be sure and take advantage of that as well. As Steven mentioned a little bit earlier, upper right-hand corner is a discord button. Get in the discord, come in, talk some uh, golf with everybody in there. And of course you can look in the golf picks channel as well. And anything that we add along the way, we throw in there as well. Guys, follow Brad over on the Twitter machine at Brad Allen NFL. You can follow Steven at Steven Anders one. You can follow me at Matt Brown M2. Good luck on all your U.S. Open bets.